labels. We've all been given them. They're often not gratefully received and somehow the worst labels stick, affecting our identity and self-worth to the very core. Hey, I'm Deanna Fletcher. Thank you so much for downloading the podcast today and for choosing to engage in another thought-provoking discussion, which will hopefully help you on your journey and encourage you because you are not alone. You're not. Today, I'm in conversation with author and speaker Alex Seeley. She and her husband, Henry, are the founders of The Belonging Co., a community that meets in Nashville, Tennessee. In her new book, Made, Alex explores how labels can truly damage a person not only as a child, but into adulthood as well. She's battled an eating disorder, believing that she was an accident for much of her life. And I'm so glad she's taken the time to share some of her journey with us today. Well, I... I wanted to write a book for a very, very long time um, because I've been in ministry for about 24 years and just have uh, seen a huge lack in the area of identity in Christians. And it seemed to be this repeat uh, counsel of how do I find my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Who am I in the scheme of things? And I just saw a lot of insecurity when I'm thinking, hold on a minute, if we have the same Jesus that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us, why do we always second guess? Why are we living with such insecure mindsets? And so I began to really look at my own life and go, well, I grew up in church myself And though we're saved, we're not completely free all the time. And so we may go to church our whole life and do the religious formula, but really not live in the fullness of our potential because of the the, the lack of understanding from Scripture about who we are and why we were created. And so it just set me on a course to write my journey of looking through my life and going, well, actually, I struggled with so many things along the way, even though I had Jesus in my life. And so I thought it would be a helpful tool. And so really, I kind of jotted down journaling notes uh, just for around 10 years, to be honest, until I got serious about the fact that actually I need to write a book. (laughs) (laughs) 10 years, though, thats it's it's a journey in the making then, 10 years. And I I love... um, your f- I love what you're saying about finding freedom because having grown up in church also, recently I've been yeah. reflecting on that myself. There seems to be a lot of talk of freedom, not necessarily a lot of walking in freedom if we look at people's actions and if we look at yep. how so many things are motivated, it would seem by insecurity. Why do you think that is, that even as Bible-believing Christians, we struggle in the area of identity? Is it because we don't talk about it enough? Yeah, and I think we assume that being saved fixes everything. Like I repented, Jesus came into my life, and now I should have this ready-made, you know, new creation. But that's justification. Then there's this process of sanctification that we've got to walk out. And the Bible is very clear about renewing the mind. And I actually believe there's so many issues that pertain from like out of our childhood that we don't address. So this whole idea of a label – 
that came comes from well-intentioned people actually begins to form who we think we are. And so we end up with a bunch of clones or just a bunch of stereotypical Christians, but not realizing the very essence that God made us very unique with a blueprint all of our own. But because we don't take the time to go after what God says about us, we almost believe the loudest voice that's around us. So we live according to what people say that we are rather than who God says we are. And I just think we don't take the time to dig deep for ourselves. We just sit in a congregation and get told this blanket, you know, view. And then you're left going, yeah, but how does that translate? Because my internal dialogue constantly says that I'm unworthy or that I can't or that I'll never amount to that. And if we look back at our childhood, your teachers, your peers, your parents, um, whatever, they may have said a statement like, you'll never do that, or no, that's not your gift, or you're not very good at English, or you really shouldn't do math, or you're stupid, or you're foolish, or you're that. And so, we don't even realize how much that forms our understanding, and it actually builds a persona of who we think we are when God goes, no, actually... I need to tell you who you are because according to Psalm 139, 14, I formed you and I actually positioned every single one of your days before they were ever going to be and I've written them in a book. So if God has a book with all our days ordained, then we need to get to know Him and what He says about us instead of what everyone else has said about us. It's difficult to to ignore, you just mentioned the loudest voice in the room. It is the loudest voice yeah. in the room and we attach ourselves. It's difficult to ignore that. It's difficult to get away from that yeah. or to to lift that thumb off us, if it were, because it's a very strong presence. Yeah. Um, what would you say was your label that you struggled with or that you lived under for a long time? Yeah, I lived under a couple of labels. I lived under, it started when I was very little, that I believed that I was the accident, you know, the one that kind of surprised my parents because as a child you grow up thinking, well, your parents determine whether you come into the world or not, not understanding that God actually has that power. And so I was always called the accident. You were the one that wasn't supposed to happen. We only wanted two children and you're number four. Um, And then because there was dysfunction in my family and my parents are ethnic, they're Italian immigrants. You know, growing up in a household where saying uh, like a word in Italian is like um, cretina or stupida, it means you're, you're dumb or you're stupid. And so, that just reinforced my rejection of, well, I'm the, the mistake. And anytime I would do something foolish or would make a mistake, you would get called that. So, even though my parents loved me, even though my mum was very nurturing and doting on a practical level, her words were so destructive to all four of us, actually, that we really believe that, well, we're stupid or that I'm really not worthy. And couple that with the the harsh discipline and the physical abuse that would, you know, follow that, you then get reinforced to believe, well, I must be unworthy. I'm, I, I'm not good enough. I really just, I'm just a blip that everyone tolerates and puts up with. So that was the lie that I believed as a young child, which then affected my ability to be secure in and being free to be who I was really called to be. 
Wow. I mean, I imagine that as you get older as well, if one hasn't yet dug deep, as you mentioned earlier, and kind of really looked at these things and explored them and journeyed through them, I mean, how did all this kind of, it obviously affected your self-esteem, but how did it affect your relationships? Because you're married, you have kids, you lead a church, you've been in ministry for a long time. So you're you're always around yeah. people. Yeah. Well, this is why I kind of wrote the book when I was in, like, like really wrote it, finished it. And I, I had to write it from a free place. So um, at the age of 39, I have overcome most of the issues. And I share that in the book that the issue really began in my heart at five. And then I take people through the journey of realizing all the default mechanisms and all the ungodly beliefs, but being in church and being around the, the word, you know, and being involved in it, you, you realize that God begins to convict and reveal certain things. And I'm just grateful that I did grow up in a church that did go deep and you did have good counsel. So when I found I was, you know, falling short in something, I would go seek counsel. And then we would go and do some heart healing and we would do some inner healing and replace those ungodly beliefs with the truth of God's word. But a lot of it came through seeking in the word what the truth really is. So when I'm told to do something, but I feel like I can't, I've got to go to the Word and go, all right, well, what do you say about that, God? And he says, well, you can do all things. And then it's the translating of it not being in my mind but in my heart. Why do I believe that I can't? It's because I was told, now I'm going to come out of agreement with that ungodly belief, and now, God, I'm going to have you affirm. And so just through the journey of being immersed in the presence of God, in the Word of God, having people pray over you and with you, and walking this out on a daily, consistent basis actually renewed my mind. Forgiveness was a huge key to my freedom because with my mum, there was dysfunction there. Even though I loved her, I was so hurt by her. And you can't really be truly free when you hold bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart because then it affects all your other relationships. And so, honestly, I, I really unpack very, very practically every bit in the book of just how I got free. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. It was over time, consistent behavior and constantly allowing the word to transform my mind and heart. I was going to ask you about forgiveness next, actually, because um, it does sound like it plays a big part in simply moving forward uh, and yeah. embracing who you are. I mean, what did the journey of forgiveness look like to you? Like what did the language that you would apply well, to it look like? Yeah. Um, I think forgiveness is not just head knowledge. It's a heart posture because what I, I thought I had forgiven people. And so my mum, that was probably the biggest core um, belief system of pain. Um, and so what would happen is if there was a trigger from her, like a word would sit, I would find the rage would come inside my heart. Now we know that I haven't forgiven her if my heart is still attached to being affected in a negative sense. And so many of us can say we've forgiven somebody, but it really truly plays out with whenever their name is mentioned. What what goes on in your heart? Is there like a, you know, feeling or is there a just a, you, the feeling of wanting to badmouth them and bring them down or gossip about them? That so affects your true 
freedom in Christ for you to actually be the full person that you need to be because you're so exhausted by trying to justify. And But when you're forgiven, there's a clean you know, slate where you may have seen, yeah, there's been offenses against me, but because I've chosen to forgive, the sting and the poison isn't eating me up anymore. I don't get amnesia. I don't forget about it, but it doesn't affect my heart. And until I realized that I actually had such unforgiveness in my heart towards my mum, it then unlocked every area of bondage in my life. I had eating disorders that I was bound by. I was just always speaking negatively because I was just always trying to justify. I was needing affirmation from everybody else around me. But it just, it actually, it's like a little domino that just begins to, you know, pass down once you've unlocked the root because I believe we treat symptoms and never go to the root issue. And the root issue was unforgiveness in my heart. Yeah. And it sounds exhausting as well. Like yes. To carry it all is. that around, forgiveness helps yeah. you to relieve yourself of some of that, that burden. And it sounds uh, painful. It's painful when you're going through something and when you're in the midst of it and you're being affected by it. But it's also painful a lot of the time when you're trying to work out a journey, you're journeying through it, you're removing yeah. thorns from your own side, as it were. Yeah. It's painful. Um, yes. Can pain have a purpose, do you think? Absolutely. I preach a whole message on when pain has purpose because I actually believe it's, um, I just think we, we live in a broken world, but God turns everything around and uses it for our good. Did God make that happen? Did God, um, you know, bring calamity on the world? Absolutely not. Did he bring sickness? Did he bring abuse? Did he bring? No, 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 no. But will he use it for good? Absolutely. And it's when we identify in those sufferings that we identify in the resurrection power of Christ. And I think pain has this ability to, if and what we're trying to do as a generation is numb that pain, ignore that pain, but it will never leave. Pain is no respecter of persons. It, it comes to us all. And also, we have to process pain. You, you can't nullify it. You can't numb it. You have to actually walk through pain. And in that process of allowing it to hurt, it's learning not to live there and, and make camp there. But it's learning to process, give that pain to Jesus and allowing him to replace that pain with his love and healing, which then will bring purpose to our lives and actually allow us to bring breakthrough to other people that still haven't discovered that secret, you know? Yeah. So if we want to move on from some of these labels that we feel that we live under, whether it is that you are stupid or that you're not good enough or just generally feeling yeah. unworthy, because I think when you start to, when you really start to look at value, you can't not yeah. look at all this kind of stuff, uh, your yeah. self-value. So how do we yeah. move forward from that and truly learn to love who we are and what and who God created us to be regardless of what other people might say or how they might treat us because as just going back to what we were talking about um 10 15 minutes ago unfortunately it is the loudest voice that often yeah um deafens out everything else absolutely um oh my goodness I think we just have to like what I try and take people through and with me, it was every, I would almost document every lie that I believed about myself. So, it, And how we know it's a lie is when it makes you feel less than. So anything that makes you feel bad about yourself or you literally look at all your shortcomings, you write them down and you go, all right, I believe 
that I was stupid. I believed that I was unworthy and unwanted. Like I was like rejected. Really, that was my my huge thing. Not good enough. Never measured up. So when I look at that in the world's eyes, that's what I was told. That was the loudest voice screaming in my head. Now I've got to go search the scriptures and see what the truth is on that. Now, clearly, the Bible on several occasions says that I knew you you before you were born, that I prepared for you in, in advance to do good works and talks about being fearfully and wonderfully made. It's talking about how much he loved us and that he has a good plan for us not to harm or to, you know, hurt us, but to prosper us. And so this isn't just applicable to the people he's speaking to in the scriptures, but I can take that as my inheritance for me. So I have to now go, well, I'm going to choose to believe that your word is the final authority in my life. My mum, my dad, my teachers, they are not the final authority because they never created me. They're not the ones that formed me. They're not the ones that have my destiny in their hands. So who am I going to now believe? I have a choice. I have a choice to believe what God says about me or what they say about me. Then God may reveal and say, well, maybe you need to come out of agreement with that lie, forgive that person, and now receive my truth. And that's what renewing the mind is. So it's renewing the mind till it becomes your belief system. Because here we are allowing the the loudest voices speak, that's what sticks. We've got to undo that and so replace the, the lie with the truth. And it's an incredible truth, but it works if you believe in your heart. And that's why receiving things by faith actually shifts things and changes things. It's not just positive thinking, but it's a heart transformation that then brings revelation and when it becomes a revelation that's when it, the supernatural takes place in your life it's not just information but you get a revelation of God's truth it's revealed to you by his spirit connects to your spirit man because what you're wanting to do is allow your spirit man to speak louder than your mind and flesh you that make sense definitely been on a journey for 10 years because you know what you're talking about I feel like yeah. <laughs> you've really fleshed out the language and it's very helpful so thank you yeah oh um, pleasure one of the other things I want to ask you um, if you don't mind it's not yeah. necessarily a savory thing to discuss but you have been on a journey with self-image and an eating disorder which you were just briefly mentioning before yeah. if you don't mind talking about it when did this all start and how did it affect your life because unfortunately so many women and men are affected by eating disorders every day. Yeah, absolutely. I believe we all, when we're broken or when we're trying to find true freedom, we all have an addiction of some sort, whether it's approval addiction or substance addiction or whatever. Food can be an addiction or the lack of, like starving yourself. What ultimately it is, but what, especially what it was for me, it was a control issue because there was no control uh, in my life as a young kid. I had no control of what was what I was coming home to. Like, is it going to be a good day? Is it going to be a bad day? Is it going to be a day where I'm, you know, punished for nothing or when I'm spoken too badly? So for me, it developed as it was the only thing I could control. What I didn't realize until I got counsel and um, delivered of this was actually my mum is a chef and a really amazing cook. And her love language was feeding people. Now, there was a dichotomy in this because her words were so cutting and hurtful, yet her 
expression of love was to feed. Because, now, I didn't realize this as a young girl, but I'd made a decision in my heart to reject her food because that's what I could control. I couldn't answer back because I would get a lashing. I couldn't leave because, you know, I was too scared to leave. I, I, so what I chose to do was control what would go in my mouth. And it was almost, which I didn't realize till my early 30s, oh, my goodness, this was a defiant act to punish her like she was punishing me. So for me, disorder was control. The disorder was, number one, this is what I can control, but also what happened because of this disorder, because I was thin and I would get affirmation from people always complimenting my outward appearance. Because I was so starved for verbal affirmation, I found myself finding getting addicted, like I had an addiction for that approval of, well, the thinner I get, the more praise I get. I'm not getting praise anywhere else, so I'm I'm addicted to this. Now, as you're going through that, I'm not cognitively thinking that. This is all reactionary to the brokenness that's inside. So starving myself became a very hidden private thing that I could control. I found that when my circumstances were out of control, well, if I controlled what I eat and I controlled the cleanliness of my room or the tidiness, the OCD behavior, then I felt a sense of order and peace. But what that did, that ended up just becoming in a very exhausting circle. And I had it from about 12 till about 31. Wow. And I rationalized it. I spiritualized it. Yeah. I, I lied my way through being, oh, well, I'm being healthy or, but the destructive nature that I would be talking to people and I would be literally calculating what I shouldn't be eating so that then I would look good for this. And then I would go through 50 outfit changes. I would be angry. I would literally see myself in the mirror as overweight. And um, it wasn't until I, it was actually came through that understanding that if I do not deal with this unforgiveness towards my mother, I, I'm not get, getting free. So that that disorder literally consumed my mind, my thought, my every action, and it was exhausting. My husband could tell me how beautiful I was every other day and I would not receive it. I would not believe it because it was nothing about being about a size zero. It was all about control. It was all about fear. So getting free of that was through um, inner healing. And in, in fact, I actually got delivered, I believe, of a spirit that just took root. It, it, it occupied my heart because I allowed all those lies and those pathways to make agreements with me. And they had, you know, unhealthy attachments to me. And so I had to renounce and denounce that control and that unforgiveness. And I'm not kidding this is a real life true story but I felt like a veil behind my eyes lift off of me I went home that night set free and delivered I was 31 years of age I had a really young little baby and I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time and saw how emaciated I was for the very first time in years and I knew I was free now I had to walk out that freedom by renewing my my mind patterns because I developed unhealthy patterns. I had to be accountable. I went to a nutritionist. I had two mentors that I was accountable to and then I had to walk out. So every time there was a negative thing that would come with my mum, I would find myself wanting to go back to old patterns. So I would have to go 
to my husband, okay, I feel like I just want to starve myself today. He's like, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to sit down together. We're going to eat. We're going to pray. We're just going to. And so I had to walk out new patterns. So the spiritual element is one area. And then there's that outworking because I'd lived like this was my normal for so many years and now I had to develop a new normal and now I'm 45 and can honestly say there's nothing that gets into my my mind like that control ever 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 wow I mean to struggle with something that like that for such a long time and and it's obvious that from what from how you've put it and how you've told you know us your story everything's connected yeah. so everything you went through as a yes. young person um and forgiveness yeah. so rooted as well in 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 your freedom and it's incredible that if we would just have the courage to dig a little bit deeper yes. as you've said if we would just have the courage to to really look inside ourselves and go actually how do i feel and actually um yeah it, it, you know, that's how you, you get through it. You really have to take a few moments, I guess, over a long period of time as well to be brave and really look in the mirror. What brought yeah. all that on for you, though? Was it a crashing down moment of I just can't handle, like life can sometimes sort of implode a little bit um, when we haven't dealt with stuff. Like I'm kind of just interested whether it was in your early 30s or when it was, what kind of mm. brought on this I have to address all this stuff in my life? Yeah, well, especially when about that eating disorder I think it was thank God for great leaders where we would have um like a monthly or fortnightly discipleship and our pastors would constantly do heart work that's what I call it it's like going beyond the surface of just teaching us theology but actually going into beneath the surface and going what's going on in your heart and we were actually doing a series on generational curses and um they were teaching us um, that these patterns uh, of iniquities and things like that get passed down for generations. And um, what I realized, there was a pattern of abuse in my family line. And um, as I'm ticking through all of these issues of, you know, what the Holy Spirit's beginning to reveal to me, I realized, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Alex, if you do not deal with this fracture in your life, which is unforgiveness. He goes, you're a great minister. He goes, but you can only take people to a limit where you are willing to go. And you talk about freedom and you're trying to help other people get free, but you yourself are not completely free. So you can fool the church and you can fool those that you're leading, but you can't fool me. And you will never get the complete freedom that I actually purchased for you. And if if you do not get completely free, you will pass these issues onto your children. Make no mistake about it. So for me, it was actually a love for my daughter and a revelation that if I don't get free of this, this generational curse is just going to keep going on. And I started to look at my siblings. I started to look at my aunties, uncles, grandparents, and I'm like, this is rampant in my family. And it is a generational line of abuse and abuse to self. And so there's so many fractures in our family. I have to stop the cycle. So I actually received a revelation that not only do am I exhausted, but this is affecting. My daughter is 18 months old right now. I, I can't. I can't. I have to draw a line in the sand. And so it was then when I said, I need prayer. I need deliverance. And I actually confessed that night with all my peers and all my co-workers, which are co-leading pastors of a very successful large church, I said, guys, t- tonight I need it. 
confess with my mouth that I've been struggling with an eating disorder for 20 years. I need freedom. And it was then when I humbled myself and was not ashamed to actually, because the, the, the lie is if I share this, I will be even more rejected. If I share this, people will lower their opinion of me as a minister. If I share this, but actually the truth is when I share this and bring what was in darkness to light, God will set it free. And I'm telling you, I've taken more people through freedom since then than I did in the 20 years prior to that. So it was that which actually grabbed my heart and I had to be obedient. And it's a there's power in obedience when God says, actually, I need that will. Because really what I was effectively saying is you're my savior, but you're not my Lord. That part of my heart you can't have because I need to control that. And that's not true surrender. So, yeah. Wow. And it is so hard to ask for help. So, I'm, yeah. you're not the only one. Um, what do yeah. you know now that you didn't know in your 20s that you wish you did or that you would pass on as advice? Oh, that's a book in itself. Hey, what what do I wish I knew <laughs> then? Um Wow. Um, gosh. That it's okay to not be okay and not to pretend. You can't pretend. Like it's going to catch up with you. I, I think I feared so much rejection that I thought I had to deal with everything by myself. I thought that I'd work it out. I thought that I had to be perfect. I thought that being in ministry meant I had to have it all together. I think anything that I've learned in my latter years is that the transparency and the vulnerability, it's not wearing your heart on your sleeve and verbal vomiting over everybody in process, but it is allowing yourself to be truthful and that it's okay to actually be honest uh, because we're all going through things. And I think so much, especially those in ministry, when you think that you've arrived and you you have to have it all together for the congregation or for the people that you're leading. I think you can almost lull yourself into a false state of perfection that becomes fake and unreal and it's what people will never relate to. But I think for me it's like actually I wish I could have just been honest a lot sooner um, and that Jesus actually cares about every detail um, and that we just need to, to be true to ourselves and and, and share what's going on and not hide it and try and work it out. I don't know. There's actually too many. That that question is a stumping <laughs> question for me. There's, there's, I wish I knew so many things. That's good, but, though. That's really helpful. Know. That's really helpful. Um, yeah. Before I have to let you go, Alex, let me just ask you one more question. As yeah. we've been talking about labels and forgiveness and working through and really digging deep, let me yeah. ask you, how do we respond in, in the moments that we experience perhaps now, wherever we are, how do we respond to parents or friends or partners or siblings or even a boss who's actively yeah. pushing us down, maybe through language or behavior, rather than lifting us up? Yeah. I mean, that happens out on a daily basis, I feel like, especially even being Australian. I mean, I don't live in Australia anymore, but the Australians just have this thing about you know, it's called the payout, as you know, and, and it's just, it's actually horrible because what it's doing is pulling us down. It's not building us up. And I think we all laugh in the moment, but it actually does more than we realize. And, um, and I used to just laugh along with everybody. Um, but what it was actually doing is just hurting and pushing down. So you actually retreat a lot more. And I, 
I, I don't think you can ever just go, excuse me, that is not who I am. The Lord says X, Y, Z, because you almost feel stupid doing that. <laughs> but I do feel like people are going to always say, you know, through social media or whatever, they're always going to have their opinion of what they think of you. I think what you have to do is you have to take that home with you and go, all right, that, and if it's still playing over in your mind, you've got to go, you know what, I'm not going to receive that. I choose right now in the name of Jesus to let those words fall on deaf ears and I choose what you say about me. I will not hold on to that. And I choose to forgive that person, but I will not come into agreement with what they, what they said. If they are broken and fractured, God, I pray that you bless them, heal their heart, but I will not take on what their opinion is of me. And I think the stronger you are, on the inside with who God says you are, those things can actually end up just falling off of you. Um, but if you're still in the process of words mattering to you, what people say, I think you do have to have a conversation if it's relentless. If, you know, uh, it's okay to say, hey, every time you say that, it actually hurts my heart. Um, can you be careful with your words towards me? Um, I think that's okay to do that. I think bringing everything to God and weighing it up against the word and if it doesn't match, you just let it fall to the ground and you just choose to believe what God says about you and pray for those that hurt you. Pray for them. Pray for the, the insecurity and the fracturedness in their heart because for a long time I never got the apology from my mum, but I didn't need that to be free. I needed God's word to be the loudest voice. And then it wasn't until years, 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 later, until I actually had to, you know, process of writing the book. My mum had to agree with uh, obviously writing it and sign off on it. I loved those words. They were so gentle, but I didn't need them at that point because I'd already dealt with it in my heart. So um, if you're able to have the conversation at, the, at a certain time, I don't think it's always wise to have a conversation. But uh, if somebody is really hurting your heart, just pray for them. But then also, if you feel that it's right time, right place, have that conversation. But also, if it's a leader, sometimes I think you just have to give that to God, but you don't have to receive what anyone says that's against what God says about you. Well, that's very good advice. Thank you so much for your time, Alex. No problem. Thank you for <laughs> the opportunity. And um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Really enjoyed your yeah. time. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Deanna. Great to share with you today. A huge thank you to Alex Seely for speaking with us today. Her new book, TaylorMade, is available now from Thomas Nelson and wherever good books are sold. You can find Alex along with her husband, Henry, at The Belonging Co. in Nashville. For more info, head to thebelonging.co. Thanks for listening. There's more next week, so check back with us soon. And if you haven't already hit subscribe, it only takes a second and we'll ensure you don't miss out in future. Thanks again.